Matthew chapter 8, let's go right to verse 23. We're going to look at verses 23 through 27. And here, is, uh, the, here are the scriptures. Then he, this is Jesus, and you probably figured that out, but we'll make it more clear in a minute. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you that they have been breathed out by the Spirit. And we ask now for the same breath of the Holy Spirit to bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation into our hearts that we might receive your word today and respond to it in the power of the Spirit. There would be radical fruitfulness, life change. Help us by the power of your Spirit to live for and to live like Jesus. And if that's your prayer, let the person gently hear you say amen. I didn't want you to shout at your neighbor's ear, but we've been reading in these passages, uh, beginning right about the first part of chapter 8 and through through 9, this is a very very particular kind of a mini uh, series within the larger series that we're calling Follow Me, Miracles with Meaning. Why don't we just say it out loud? Miracles with Meaning. Meaning that uh, the miracles of Jesus that we read about in the Gospels, they have, first of all, it's important to remember, that they, have, they had an immediate impact and message about Jesus when they were occurring. In the moment, there was an immediate impact. In the moment, there was an immediate impact. That's, you, that, we'll talk about this in a minute, but let me just give you, a, 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 I guess, a spoiler. You, we must recognize that immediate impact. We, act, we need to feel it or respond to it in order, if we're going to interpret or respond to the passage at all. We have to, we have to, we have to start where they started. If we start somewhere else, we'll miss it. I'll explain that in a minute. I can feel i got to push on that rock. So, Uh, They have an immediate impact, but they continue. And if we will start where they started, these miracles continue to speak to the reader, as they have for 2,000 years. They continue to speak to the reader, and they continue to have meaning to us. You and I can and should respond to these miracles with trust and obedience toward Jesus. So what's the meaning of this miracle? We've read it. What does it mean? And then how does it help us? How does it teach, inspire, nudge us to trust in Jesus and to obey him? Ready? First of all, 
uh, we start right at verse 23. This might sound just like a, an insignificant part. Then, <laughs> then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. That's probably one of those verses that you read quickly and go, okay, what's, so what, what's next? But that particular verse 23 is, uh, helps, us, helps the reader see that Matthew is connecting a series of events. There is a thread. Each of these are unique and powerful and wonderful, but there's a, he's, he, there is a thread that's connecting these events that goes all the way back to, uh, uh, all the way back to, to 728. But right here, ver- then he got into the boat and the disciples followed him. But if you back up, go to verse 14. It said, when Jesus came, or, I'm, I'm sorry, back up, uh, verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Man, this, is, this is all one story, but it's like, one more time, this is a, one of those times where Jesus is on his way somewhere, and then there's, a, there's an interruption. The first interruption, when he said, okay, boys, let's get in the boat and go, the first interruptions were people uh, making wild claims about their, their willingness to be his disciple, and Jesus challenging them, first of all, to count the cost, and then secondly, to surrender immediately immediately without hesitation. They followed him. Okay? So then verse 24, then suddenly a furious storm com- comes upon the lake. And the waves begin to sweep over the boat. It's uh go ahead and just picture Whatever movie you've seen where that's, that happens, whether it's, yeah, I don't know, whether it's Gilligan's Island, uh, <laughs> the introduction, or whether, whether it's Lieutenant Dan on the thing saying, is this the worst you've got? And I just, I, you need to let yourself imagine the worst situation here. Uh, the sea the, or the lake of Galilee, it's a great big lake, so it's often called the sea, uh, is below sea level. It's significantly below sea level. And so it is very subject to sudden changes in barometric pressure. Boom, boom, quick, quick. And also with the, because of the water and the, and the mountains here and there, there's the conflicting uh, air temperatures. And where you have changes in barometric pressure and conflicting air temperatures, you have these sudden storms that erupt. It was not unusual for there to be stormy weather on the sea. But Matthew's language here wants the reader to see that this was no ordinary storm. It's the, it's the, he uses the same language to describe the storm as Matthew will use elsewhere to describe something like an earthquake. So maybe we would say a tsunami. And you're in a fishing boat. You need to feel the fear. <laughs> and the when it says, and the waves, uh, the waves swept over the boat, it's important that you don't think that was uh, the waves, that wasn't just a little splish splash. Oh my, the, I'm getting a little wet. <laughs> they didn't say, Jesus, we're getting wet. <laughs> they said, we're going to die. <laughs> this is a significant and sudden storm it interrupts their life, it interrupts their journey, and it threatens to end both permanently. And Jesus is sleeping. 
And the, verse 25 says, the disciples wake him and say, uh, I even in my notes, it just says, Lord, save, we perish. But the, the we perish is just a, a first person plural uh, verb. So there's actually only three words in the Greek. It's, it's that emphatic. Lord, save us or save, we're going to die. It's, it's a dramatic and emphatic cry to them, to, that, to Jesus. And then in verse 26, the, what the, Jesus responds to them first. He turns to them. The wind is still blowing. The waves are still crashing. It's still a tsunami. Because I suppose it's easy to, to kind of hear him saying, Oh, ye of little faith. But try to, I mean, I won't do it in the mic because it's uncomfortable and hurt your ears. But the wind is howling and the waves are crashing. They're, they have to yell for, the, for them to, he has to turn around and yell back at them. Right? I mean, not like in a perhaps furrowed brow, but imagine, why, oh, you a little bit, why, oh, you a little, why are you so afraid? And the actual language uh, there, uh, I, one commentator Try, tried to help us undersee, undersee, understand, see and understand how what Jesus was saying. He, it might have sounded something more like this in the moment. Oh, you of little faith, why are you such cowards? Yeah, yeah, roasted. Like, ouch, that's a little harsh, Jesus. What's, what's going on here? Why would Jesus be so confrontational about fear? I mean, what harm can fear do after all? I see you picking up when I'm laying down there. <laughs> oh, he means it's bad. Yeah. Then, after he, he, he connects their great fear to their little faith. Then, he responds to the storm. He turns to the storm, and, the, and Matthew says, he rebukes the wind and the waves. He rebukes them. That language is personal. Rebuke is, what you, is when you talk to a demon or when you, elsewhere in the scriptures, elsewhere when it's talking about someone's, out of, someone's behaving out of line, and you come to them and you rebuke them. You say, this is wrong. You need to stop doing this. It's a, it's a, per, it's a language that's personal. He gets up and he speaks in a personal way to the wind and the waves. Now, oh, yeah, this is not Pocahontas. He's not painting with all the colors of the wind. <laughs> if I were by myself, I would be laughing so hard at myself. <laughs> Why is Jesus talking to the wind and the waves? The idea is that there was likely, Jesus recognized a personal evil presence force behind them. You say, well, where, where do you see that? Well, just keep reading. Wait till next week and you'll see. I wonder what kind of evil force was trying to keep them from coming. You'll see next week. because they were on their way to the other side, and something on the other side was not appreciating his arrival.
So he stands up and he speaks to what appears to be a personal evil force behind the storm that is adding to its intensity and its threat. So it, the disciples, these guys are fishermen. They're used to this lake. But first of all, this is a, a storm that is outside of the norm. And it has that sense where there's more than just wind and waves going on here. But when Jesus stands and rebukes the wind and the waves, the storm responds to Jesus. The storm responds to Jesus. It was completely calm. The wind stopped and the waves stopped. Again, that signals at, at least two things. It signals there's probably, there was probably more going on than just nature, and yet nature obeyed. And then we get to verse 27, and this is where we need to practice good Bible interpretation. As you're reading your one-year Bibles throughout the year and you're paying attention to your Bibles, these are things you should pay attention to. Pay attention to the, the conversations in Scripture when you're wanting to interpret, when you're wanting to extract what's the meaning here, what's the Bible writer trying to emphasize. Pay attention to the conversation, and often pay attention to what the narrator says last. Kind of the, that this is the, if you will, the moral of the story. Even though I'd resent, it's not, a, there's not, this isn't the moral lesson, it's a miracle with a meaning. But here's the point. The point is, verse 27, the, they, the men were amazed. Now, let Matthew be a little bit of a good writer here. How oftentimes, what, up until now, how has Matthew referred to these people? His disciples. His disciples, his disciples, his disciples. But what did verse 26 say? Or, okay, well, what, what does verse 27 say? The, look at the, the contrast. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Matthew is wanting us to see the, the difference, that there's a uniqueness about the Son of God. Okay. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They were amazed. They were taken back in shock and in awe. You recognize this isn't the first thing they've seen Jesus do. They have, we've already seen Matthew 4.23 where he went around the entire region and healing every manner of sickness and disease. They've already seen blind eyes open and lame people walking. They've seen, they've seen him smack the devil out of somebody with a word. They've seen, him, they've seen him pronounce someone healed from a distance. They've seen him quietly walk over to Peter, Peter's mother-in-law, touch her hand and dismiss a fever. This is not the first thing they've seen him do. He's already done it. But this, you, it is imperative if we're going to understand or respond to this passage, we have to feel what they're feeling. They, I would say they're speechless, and, but, but they're not speechless. They, they can't help but just blurt, Who is this guy? Because I suppose it's, it's tempting for us because it's the Bible for us to read it and go, and they leaned back against the, the bench in the boat and said, oh, what manner of man might this be? <laughs> While they adjusted their ascons. <laughs> They're soaking wet, their hair's everywhere, salt water in their mouth. 
They're, they've, it was, they were, a second ago they were going to die, and now it's vacation. The sea is calm, and Jesus is looking at them, and they're, what? Who is this guy? And that kind of shock, that kind of awe, is what Matthew wants us to see about Jesus. It's that kind of moment that, that made them say, years later when they said, deny him or die, they said, take your best shot, because I've seen some things. There's a reason why, there's a reason why this name has shaken the planet for 2,000 years. There's a reason why nobody can shut anybody up about him. Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The answer to the question, what kind of man is this, is the meaning of this miracle. The meaning of this miracle is the answer to that, is how we answer that question. This is the point. What kind of man is this? He is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say it out loud with me. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of the storm. Oh my, see now we understand, wait a minute, oh, oh, even the wind and the waves obey him. If you look at that word obey and circle it or if you have a pen or poke at it, you'll see, hey, wait a minute, this, this, is the, this is all about the theme. Matthew is writing to us about the theme of the authority of Jesus that starts in 728 when he comes down from the, from the Sermon on the Mount and the crowds say, well, we haven't, we've never heard. He teaches with authority unlike anybody else and then it's all about his authority and obeying him and, and, and they praise God who gave authority to the men and the, and the centurion says, hey, I understand authority. People do stuff when I say it, so I imagine anything you say, it's going to get done because you got because because the, the empire might be backing me, but heaven's backing you. Matt, Matthew wants us to understand this is a whole series. Each of these miracles is underscoring, is celebrating, is pressing upon the reader the authority of Jesus. And when we see the authority of Jesus, there is only one appropriate response to his authority. Obey. Spoiler alert, end of the chapter, same theme. End of the book, same theme. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go teach the world to obey me. What kind of man is this? He is Lord. Even the wind and the waves obey him. And if, and if the wind and the waves obey him, then... So must we. And that's, that's the meaning of this miracle. That we recognize what kind of man this is. And if, and if, if the force of nature, forces of nature and evil and everything obey him, then that is the only response, the only appropriate response to Jesus is obedience. Because he is Lord, we respond to his authority with trust and obedience. This is how the reader, this is how the hearer should respond. Is it, that's why it's so important that you and I begin, to un, that we respond to this story with the same kind of shock and awe that the disciples did. Because it's only from that perspective that we see and respond rightly. Only from a place of awe and wonder over the authority of Jesus are we then rightly inspired and warned to trust him. 
you can trust him. Because even the wind and the waves obey him. And you should obey him because even the wind and the waves obey him. What kind of man is this? Jesus is Lord. And we respond to his lordship with trusting obedience. And in that trusting obedience, there is salvation. Now, once we, once we get that, once we see that, we understand that we can, we can recognize the significance of that meaning in different ways. There are applications of that reverence and that awe of his authority. There is, throughout history, there is a great tendency, this is what we want to avoid, there is a great tendency to, to, to read a miracle or hear about a miracle and immediately make that miracle into a metaphor. But we don't do that. The first thing we do is we want to make sure that we respond to the miracle, that we let the miracle, let it, but we, we let the miracle be a miracle before we instantly change it into a metaphor. When we make mi- metaphors out of miracles, what happens is we forfeit their power. Instead of Jesus being an awe-inspiring, shock and awe, a supreme authority in the universe, he becomes a pacifier to our many problems. When we do not respond to miracles with shock and awe, we make them simply moral lessons. Now they may and teach they may indeed contain a moral lesson but that's that's called a significance or an application we have to let them we have to be gripped by the meaning first we must be gripped by the awe and wonder of who Jesus is if anything else is going to work the early church uh, some of the church fathers, a couple of hundred years after they, they had the text and they began to reflect upon their life and persecution, they began to, some of them began to make this into a metaphor about, about our, uh, the, the journey or the life of a disciple. That we get into the boat with Jesus and then, you know, and then he's sleeping, meaning, you know, he's away, like he's in heaven. And we experience hardship and turmoil and persecution along the way and and we cry out, oh, is he ever going to help us? And then, then we'll meet, meet him. And then, anyway, it, the, the metaphor breaks down. But they, they viewed it as about a, a metaphor of discipleship. And, 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 if, and if it's not that we couldn't say, oh, discipleship is like. That's kind of like. Oh, look, that's, we can remember Jesus in the storm. We can trust him. You know? But you have to be able to recognize his authority and his power if you're going to, be, if you're going to derive comfort. Right? You have to start there. And uh, most of the time, in particular in music and in a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, sermons, and I, I used to say it was a lot of youth group sermons, but really it's almost on every, you know, the, the, the actual storm here is, used, is turned into, you know, the metaphor for the storms of life. So much so that the shock and awe of Jesus' authority is really just replaced with this promise that, you know, hey, if, if, it's, if you're having a rough day, remember... Storms of life, you know, Jesus will calm that storm. If you're stuck in traffic, you know, storms of life. <laughs> you see how you can reduce the shock and the awe by, overly, by, by 
shifting way over to metaphor. But once we understand the shock and the awe, once we understand the authority of Jesus, we can come to this and say, hey, wait a minute. You know what a storm is? A storm is an unsettling and frightening interruption in our journey. It is something that happened along our journey that we did not plan for and something we don't want, something we're not welcoming in our life right now. And it's frightening and it's painful and we wonder two things. First of all, some of us wonder, did, is, because of interesting theology, we think, oh, the Lord has sent this storm into my life. Did he send it here? No. He doesn't send storms. He silences them. He does, he's not the, he, never one time is Jesus the author of a storm. Stop the blasphemy of saying, well, he sent this storm to teach me a lesson. No, he didn't. That storm came from somebody else. And he will deal with him too. And then we say, well, did he see? if he didn't send it, I wonder if he's sleeping. I wonder if he knows. I wonder if he cares. The point is in the story, he already told the fellers, get in the boat, we're going over there. He already said they were going to make it. He said, get in the boat, we're crossing over. I'm going to nap. Why? Because ain't nobody left him alone for two days. Read the book. Ain't nobody left him alone. That boy couldn't get sleep to save his life. He said, finally, get in the boat. I'm sleeping. We're going there. And in the middle of it, they said, ah, it's not going to work. His word's not going to work. He's forgotten about us. He's asleep. He's forgotten his word. His word got lost somewhere as the boat got turned. It's, you know, somewhere in the salt water. We've lost sight of the word of God, and we're all going to die. And we cry out and say, Jesus, don't you work? Save, I'm going to die here. And he stands up and he says, fear is not supposed, panic is not in your DNA. You may, you may very well have been in or are in or someday may experience a storm. An interruption in the journey that's unwelcome and frightening and threatens to derail the whole thing. And in that case, you may very well, very well need this miracle to mean something about the storm you're in. If that's true, then you need to know this, my friend. Know this. If Jesus is Lord over this storm, Jesus is Lord over yours. If Jesus is Lord over this storm, he's Lord over yours. Why don't you just, you might need to just say it. He's Lord over my storm. He's Lord over my storm. He is Lord. He is Lord. If he is Lord over the wind and the waves and the forces of evil, he is Lord over anything that hell has or will throw at you. If he is Lord over the life-threatening storms, he is also Lord over the interruptions and frustrations of life. Well, I know I'm not supposed to respond too much to a bad CAT scan, but we somehow give permission to the smaller things in life to absolutely mess with our 
our health, our brain, our wiring, our temper, our mood. Got great faith for the big storms, but a little bad current and everyone loses their minds. If he is Lord over the major, he is no less Lord over the minor. If major storms will not kill you, then minor storms need not trouble you. If he rebuked his followers for panicking, I even have that word in my notes, Chris. If he rebuked his followers for panicking over the wind and the waves, you and I must trust and obey him in the ebb and the flow of our week. Anxiety, fear, loss of temper, uproars, squabbling, quarreling, strife. These are not the attitudes of one who lives in, the, in awe of the authority of Jesus. You may not be able to control the storm, but you, but you will certainly overcome it. Because the Lord of your life is the Lord over every storm. You overcome the storms of life by staying focused on the Lord of your life. You trust and obey Jesus. I don't know. You may not have the answers. I don't know what to do. There may be a significant amount of unknowns, but there are, there are some very concrete knowns. And you know, you get up, you, you do what's right, you obey Jesus. The, the, I can't control the wind and the waves. There's all kinds of stuff going on. We're, heading, we're about to run into something else that Jesus is going to deal with in a minute. But in the moment, I can trust and obey Jesus. I can get up, show up, do what's right, do the right thing. I can trust and obey Jesus. Do your worst, Storm, because I'm just going to sit here and trust and obey Jesus. You're going to have to take everything else up with him. Come what may, trust and obey. That is the only response to the magnificent, shocking, amazing authority of Jesus. And if you do, you will overcome. And that is what it means to follow Jesus. Let's stand together. The first and most important response to this passage is this. If the wind and the waves obey him, so must you. Let this passage challenge you to walk in a shocking, awe-filled amazement at the authority of Jesus. And let your life respond the only appropriate way. Obey him. Be his disciple. Obey Jesus. Follow his every word. Trust his every word. Let, let a life of trusting obedience bring you into such security and such strength. Let his authority cover and saturate every part and parcel of your life, every decision. Live under that awe-inspired wow of the authority of Jesus. now I have to say this as well for every person here who has the fresh taste of salt water in your mouth 
because of storms, because of the wind. He did not send this storm, but he is Lord over it. He did not send this storm, but he is Lord over it. You can take comfort today Let hope rise in your heart today that this storm is not designed for your end. It will pass. You stay close to Jesus. He'll take care of the storm. You stay close to Jesus, friend. He'll take care of the storm. Let me say it one more time. You stay close to Jesus, friend. He will take care of the storm. Lord Jesus, in reverent awe, in shock, and in wonder, what kind of man is this? He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is God, very God. He is Jesus Christ. We love him, and we serve him, and we trust him.